Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward, may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of, the, of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be upon our head, if any, man, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came unto the mountain, and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout, throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain, and passed over, and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told them all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Uh, Brother Ben Long, would you mind praying for the preaching, please? So here we have Joshua sends a couple spies. Uh, they're they're looking to uh, to spy out here. They're at Jericho uh, to see you know what kind of challenges they're up against as they come to claim the land, right? And so I believe what we have here in this chapter is a is a really good picture of what we can expect while we're out in the world, right? So the goal here today is to uh, to to equip you with the knowledge, right? to help you gain an understanding, right, to understand what you're up against, and then to strengthen or encourage your faith in Jesus Christ, right? Because what did Jesus say when he was here? He said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you, right? So here, we have a danger to recognize, right? We have, we need, we have, we have risks, and we need to understand those risks, right? And we need to, understanding the, the, the danger and the risks, we need to put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, okay? So now, real quick, this one's not even in the message here, but it's so easy to read over that as I thought about that this, this morning, I'm like, wow, we should really touch on that just for a second. So look back at verse 1, just real quick here. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, to spy secretly, 
saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. All right, first things first. Would you do that? If you were Rahab, would you do that? Do we do that on Sunday morning? Do you go to the gas station and see some guy in a suit and you're like, you're a Christian, you're coming with me, let's go to my house. You can lodge there. No problem, right? So it just kind of made me think that the Lord's hand is on this mission from the get, right? Spy secretly. How secretive was that, right? We saw that her house was on the town wall. So she saw these dudes coming. We saw that the king's men saw these dudes coming. There was no secret about this. I mean, if somebody were to come walking, you know what I mean? Like, everybody saw them. Okay, there's no, there's no secret here. But the Lord's hand is clearly on this endeavor because some stranger just let them into her house and she is now, like, guarding these people against her own people. And you might say, but it's a harlot's house. You know, no big deal. People go there all the time, right? Are you sure? Are you sure that's how it works? Are you sure in her father's house with her mother and all her brothers and sisters and all that? Are you sure that's where she's doing this duty? I doubt it. I doubt it. So I'm just saying I feel like that's really easy to glance right on over. Not part of the message, but worth noticing anyway. So recognizing the danger, okay? The Lord has enemies, right? A lot of times you, you, you come to church or whatever, other people, you know, oh, that's nice. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, the Lord has enemies. I'll tell you that. So let's look at verse 2 and 3 real quick. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. Right? So this king, he's not very thrilled about these men of Israel, right? And so he sends men after him, okay? And so what we have in this is a really good example of a king in his territory, and he's not thrilled, right? As a matter of fact, he's not just not happy, but he's like, wow, go get those dudes. Like, that's clearly my enemy. So let's, let's make a reference, though. Switch over, if you would, turn to 2 Corinthians real quick, chapter 4. So we can better understand, right? We got, we got a good example in this king of Jericho. Second Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Okay? So we got the God of this world. We have this king in Jericho. Okay? Christians live in enemy territory. Right? It's good for you to understand that. Um, it's easy to, you know, you're out in the world and you see people condemn themselves all the time when they want to blame uh, the Lord or, or God, they say. Uh, for everything that goes wrong, but they're blaming the wrong God. They're not understanding who is currently in charge of this territory, right? So it's important for you to be a witness when you can, but it's also important or for you to not be surprised when they don't see what you see, okay? Because if they're living without Jesus Christ, they can't. They can't see what you see if they're living without Jesus Christ. Now we have this enemy King sends men out after him. Now, they're going to pursue here, okay? 
So if you look at verse 5 again, back in Joshua, I'm sorry. Back to Joshua. I'll give you a second. Back to Joshua 2, verse 5. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I want not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan under the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. Okay, so these guys are coming after them, right? As, we, uh, as I mentioned, we got the, the king in Jericho, and we got the god of this world. And as far as they're both concerned, this is my area. Who do you think you are? Who do you Christians think you are? Okay? Because these are all my people, right? You have your father, the devil, not you if you're saved, but the whole world out there, right? Who do you think you are to try to help these people recognize Jesus Christ, right? The God of this world thinks just like that, like this king in uh, Jericho here, right? Have you ever noticed, have you ever tried to be a witness, right? And maybe you're talking to somebody that's like coming along, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe the Lord's already been working on them and he puts you in front of them. And the next thing you know, somebody else steps into that conversation and all they want to do is debate you and be negative and it's just trash, really. Everything they have to say is, it's just, they're just there to destroy the conversation. They're just there to shut it down, Right. And so there's a, there's a really good reason for that. And I don't mean to run you all over the place, but flip over to Ephesians real quick because I want to help you understand what's happening. Okay? Because we're in somebody else's territory like these spies here. Okay? Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You need to understand that. It's not that person that's standing in front of you that's making all the stink. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You can go back to Joshua 2. The thing is, that person might be arguing with you. And the in, in, the, in the fact of the matter, and sometimes the hardest thing to understand in that moment, is it's that person that's arguing with you, but I don't even think that they know why. I really don't think that they understand it, right? They're trying to shut down the Lord's work in that moment, but I don't think that they grasp that. They're just a pawn in the hands of the devil as far as I'm concerned, right? Now, it's really hard for me to come up with things to talk to, you know, lost people about. Because, you know, if I'm at work, like, I can talk about what's happening at work. And uh, I, can, I can talk about football. When football's not happening, I don't even know what to talk about anymore. <laughs> and so I'm constantly cycling back to, to, to the Lord and, and, and trying to play that. You know, I try to ride that line because when you're at work and I'm a boss at work, so I, I need to be careful, um, but not silent either, right? And so, but the thing is, the, the strange thing about that is, and maybe it's not football for you, maybe it's something else, right? You get, we got to have some clean, honest, 
uh, hobby, you know, as long as you don't put it before the Lord, there's no problem with that, right? And so sometimes when you have an interest and other people don't care, it's like you're the one that doesn't understand why they don't care, right? So like, and you know, uh, I guess I'll throw him under the bus for sake of conversation. On Super Bowl Sunday, I'm talking to Brother Dan and he's like looking at me, he's like, is the game right now? And it's like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. In my head, I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? And I even said that to him. And then I felt like a jerk after. I'm like, all right, he doesn't care about football. Like, the Super Bowl's not at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Dan. Like, what's, are you serious right now? And so I didn't even know how to react. But that's how it is, right? If you're talking about whatever it is, I don't, I don't care what it is, Right? Um, pastor talks about jujitsu, and I don't care about jujitsu, and he loves it, and that's great, and he doesn't care about football, right? And so it's the sort of thing that both things are harmless, but when you're talking about something that you love that other people don't care about, they leave you alone. They could care less. So let it be a testimony to you. Let it be one of those things. The Lord has done so many things that the more you learn, the more you realize the influence of the Lord is on so much. There's some evil influence, so I don't want to say just about everything because there's a lot of evil out there too. But let it be a testimony when you start talking about the Lord, the inspiration that comes to shut that down. They don't care if it's football. If I'm talking to somebody that doesn't care about football... They don't care at all. But you start talking about the Lord, and all of a sudden, somebody's going to care, right? Let that be a testimony to you. Let that make you stronger, right? Let that be your proof, right? People want proof. Let that be a proof. Talk about something else. If you're like, oh, I'm a Harry Potter fan, like, nobody's going to care. They're going to leave you alone. They're... Maybe they'll think you're weird, but they won't tell you about it. You tell them you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you're in church three times a week, they're going to be like, oh, wow, you're a weirdo. And they might tell you about it, right? What's the difference there? Okay. Anyway, I beat that to death. So we got, we got danger, and so we need to understand the risks that we're up against. Okay? So verse 4. Uh, and the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. Okay, so we got an enemy that's shown up to get them, right? Now these are, these are Joshua's men. We know that the, the hand of the Lord is on them. We saw it in verse 1. Clearly, the hand of the Lord is like caring for them beyond, you know, like you guys were supposed to come in here secretly. It's like, all right, let me fix this for you. And so... What did they do, though, when this enemy showed up? They separated themselves. Yep. Now, surely it says that she did it for them, but come on now, we got, we got a couple men, you know. I'm a man, clearly. And if somebody comes to threatening me, then we're going to have a problem here today. You know, it's really hard for a man to just be like, all right, you're right, I'm going to go hide, right? <laughs> but there's a good lesson in that. And I've had to learn this since I've gotten saved myself. You can't always pull your sword out. You might want to, right? You might even be 
uh, justified in pulling your sword out, right? These guys are coming to get them. Like, they're coming to have their way with them. I mean, wouldn't they be justified? There ain't no cell phones. There ain't no camera footage. There ain't no, you know, text messaging or whatever. If they kill these men in Rahab's house, who's going to know, right? Could they not have done that? Right, but sometimes it's better to walk away from the battle, to separate yourself, right? You do you, boo-boo, and I'm just going to be over here doing me, right? Okay, Titus 3. I want you to flip over to Titus 3 real quick. Because this is a lesson, right? We, we, we understand now that their hatred, their belittlement, their argumentativeness, it's not even them, right? We got that, right? It's not of flesh and blood, okay? So how do you deal with it, right? Titus 3, verse 9, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain, right? So what does that mean? That means when you got this person that's negatively countering Everything you have to say, right? There's no point to stay in the conversation, right? And if they're that type of person, don't even bother. What did Paul say about that, right? What was Paul's instruction, right? He said, a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition, reject, right? And the Lord just told you it's unprofitable and vain. It's all about you at that point, right? You got this guy that's clearly not seeking the truth. He wants to go on living whatever. We know that the Lord puts a candle inside of every man. But if they want to turn their back to it, for you, it's, it, it, it's, now it's just about you winning this argument. And the problem is, when you're in that situation, you can't lift them up. And depending how much you might love this individual. I've had this problem. I've had, I don't always know how my family feels about me anymore. Uh, not because I'm like this in-your-face personality, but because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And in my first fruits of salvation, I may have been willing to pull my sword out more than I should have, right? And so here's the thing. You can't lift them up, right? The next thing you know, you got the standoff between you and them. And, and I'm not trying to have any standoff. I don't want any bad blood, you know. I, I really don't. I just want people to get saved. And maybe that is your motive too, right? But the problem is, is that in those moments when they're taking such a stance, you can't lift them up. All they can do is pull you down, okay? And so if that's the case, you gotta, you got to walk away from it. you gotta, you got to reject the heretic, as Paul said. That doesn't mean forever. If you love somebody, I'm not telling you to give up on somebody, right? But not every moment is the right moment, okay? So we need to have patience, right? So let's have some patience and jump back into verse 8 here. And before they laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord had given you the land, and that your terror has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, 
And what you did under the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom he utterly destroyed. Excuse me. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. So here's the thing. Rahab clearly recognized who God was, right? She didn't need any convincing, right? So when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're out in the world and you're dealing with these, these two different types of people, you got the people that don't need convincing, right? Yeah. They might need a little more truth, but those are, that's, that's, that's not the battle, you know? Like when you got the people over here that are just out to get you, out to shut it down, Right? Leave them alone. And maybe you can touch back with them sometime in the future if they've been humbled a little bit. But with Rahab here, you got somebody that she already knows. She doesn't need to be convinced at all, right? And so here's the thing. So this king has, he sent men out to go get him, right? And no matter what's happening with that, it did not actually put a stop to this moment that's happening between these Jewish spies and Rahab. Okay, so people might try to stop your witness, right? But don't look past the Rahabs that you encounter, okay? Because they already recognize who God is, right? That's your conversation. So when you're getting into a moment and you see that wall go up, maybe you don't immediately, maybe you find a peaceful way to walk away from it, you know? You know, we could talk about some other time, something like that, you know? But when you see these Rahabs, right, <laughs> don't look past these Rahabs you encounter, okay? Because all we need to learn is to develop patience and timing in terms of our witness, right? Because you can't just, those nasty conversations, you cannot let that blow your testimony because if Rahab's standing right there, you might not get that conversation again with Rahab, Right? They might, Rahab, she might be in the same spot. Maybe she doesn't need any more convincing, but she doesn't want it from you if you let your testimony get blown with the trouble that showed up, right? Now, we saw the danger. We understand the risks. Now we're going to trust in the Lord, okay? So pick up in verse 13, and we're going to kind of skip. Verse 13, And that ye will save alive my father and my mother, and my brethren and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Let me just notice the concrete for a second. Rahab clearly recognizes God, and she's trusting the Lord. Is she not? Right? Verse 16. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. Verse 22. And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. We have Rahab trusting the Lord. We have the Jewish spies trusting the Lord. Okay, so Rahab's not a Jew, right? She's not a Jew at all. She's just a Gentile living over in, uh, in Jericho, right? But the Lord used her anyhow. Okay? Because the Lord will use lost people when need be. 
when necessary, right? There's another example of this if you flip over to 1 Kings 17, and it's not lost people at all. Actually, it's, this one's far more miraculous, to be honest with you, but I think it, between the two, 1 Kings 17, verse 4, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. We got Elijah there. Elijah is, he's, he's sitting by, by, this, by this brook, by this river, the stream that's coming through, and the Lord's got some ravens coming in, right? That's, a, that's an unclean spirit in your Bible, right? He's, he's using a, a, a wicked thing, I guess, to, to feed his man, right? He's, he's, he's caring for him. We got Rahab back here in Joshua 2. You can flip back there. We got Rahab there who's just, she's just a Gentile. She's not a Jew. She, she, she clearly recognizes God. She's clearly willing to trust him. Um, but neither one of these things, you know, are maybe what you would expect, right, to be helping God's people out. And to me, this just kind of shows how wonderful, how amazing the Lord's hand is to be able to provide for his people in ways that maybe, maybe you wouldn't expect. Maybe the, the source isn't what you'd expect, right? But here's the thing. If the Lord is getting you through, right, it's not up to us to complain about whether it's this way or that way. Nobody cares about your preferences, all right? If the Lord is getting you through, you got what you need, then it's up to you to recognize that and to praise him for it, okay? Now, Let's finish up here in verse uh, 23. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered in our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. So they get back, right? And they told Joshua all things, Okay. They told them the layout of the land, all right? This is the way the city looks. By the way, all these people are scared of us, right? And lastly, they told them about Rahab, right? And you're like, well, are you sure about that? Well, yeah, I'm very sure about that. If you flip over just a page or two to Joshua 6, Joshua 6 and verse 22, Joshua now says, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman, and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. They didn't forget about Rahab, right? As I said, you're to recognize what the Lord's done for you, whether, whether you think that's the way it should have been. That was the way it was. If the Lord sustained you, that's the way it was. You should recognize it. You should appreciate it, right? You should praise the Lord for it. And these men here, they did that, right? And what's interesting about that is that not only did the Lord use her to help them, right? But she recognized the Lord, right? 
And she was willing to trust the Lord, right? And so her willingness was put to the test because her willingness to help them also helped her. Both parties got what they needed right there, okay? So here's the thing. You might, I might not know the who, right? I might not know how, okay? Maybe in a situation, all I can see is the what if, you know? What if, what if, what if, what if? What if? Well, I'm full of doubt. I am such a weak vessel, man. I can't even begin to tell you. Like I just told you a second ago, you know, like I got this exterior, right? But I see a lot more than I talk about, and I what if all day long, okay? But here's the thing. We see here that the Lord cares for us. The Lord cared for these men before this thing even got started. He's like, all right, these idiots are going to get seen the moment they're going to come walking up, you know, like, all right, here, get in this house, come on, you know. And so here's the thing. We are to praise the Lord for these things, right? And so we're to ask for his help with these things. And so what we can do as, with our boots on the ground is recognize, okay, there's some danger out here. Uh, we understand the risks we're up against, but we're going to take it to the Lord and we're going to trust in Jesus Christ to get us through these things, okay? And so these spies, they did that, right? Their mission was a success, right? They got what they needed. And even more so, this woman Rahab got saved in the process, now, it's not, I'm not saying that, like, New Testament salvation. But she was saved from death, right? She trusted the Lord, and what did it say? Uh, my father, my mother, my brother, and my sisters, and all they have deliver our lives from death. She got that. She, she got that, right? What a blessing. Now, we're just going to kind of conclude with this thought here. There is a cost to the Christian life, right? They say salvation is free, but it's going to cost you something if you're going to be a disciple, right? Jesus Christ said, pick up your and follow me. He didn't say, pick up your popsicles and rainbows and your $100 bills, right? He said, by the way, there's going to be some trouble. There's going to be some backlash. There's a king in Jericho. There's a God in this world that's not going to like your presence. Pick up that cross and follow me. But here's the thing. There's also going to be Rahabs out there. There's going to be Rahabs that, are, that recognize the same Lord you do. And maybe they don't have the knowledge you have. Maybe they don't have the understanding you have. Maybe the Lord just puts you there to give them just a little bit more. Okay? Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. That's Luke 15.10. Over one sinner that repenteth. Joy in the presence of the angels of God? I mean, what a blessing. What a blessing that you could be part of that, right? But while you're out there, you got to remember which, 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 one, which, what these, which person am I dealing with? Which person am I continue to deal with, right? Are these the enemies of God or is this somebody that already recognizes our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Because the battle is out there, right? It's absolutely out there. And in any given situation, there's a, cow, a cost to count. But I, what I want you to hold on to is that for every battle that exists, there's also a victory to be had, right? That's what we're seeking. Let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Kelly, would you mind praying us out? Is he in here?